But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. Muted, <laughs> muted, a little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 9x9, same day, different hour. My name is Everett DeLorme. That is Rob St. Clair. Welcome to the 81 square meters of the best volleyball content on the internet. Volleyball never stops. Neither do we. Welcome. It is November 22nd. We're, we're getting on in the year, Rob. Like Christmas is closing in. The end of, this, the, end of the year is closing in, but the volleyball is just heating up uh and let's just jump right into it and the one place that is heating up is the hot seat in turkey and we know that turkey is now one of the biggest volleyball craze countries in the world and we have seen that from i guess less than desirable results this summer as they have gone and fired their head coach giovanni guadetti fired agreed to step down say it what you call it what you may guadetti will no longer be coaching turkey Yep, uh, the official wording was mutually agreed to part ways, and we all know that's garbage. I mean, you don't you don't just mutually agree to part ways from a head coaching position in one of the best national teams in the world. You are fired by your federation, and that's fine. They can they can smooth it over however they want. But yeah, sure enough, uh, no more Gudetti at the helm of the Turkish women's team. My question, Everett, is how much better can Turkey really hope to do? than where Gudetti has brought them. Since since he took over the reins in 2017, they they weren't really even a player at all on the major international stage. And now they are. Like, Turkey is like the next team up outside those elite couple teams like United States, Brazil, Serbia, Italy. Like, outside those four, I'd say Turkey is the next best team in the world on paper. And it's because of Gudetti's leadership that they've gotten there. So... I know that they didn't meddle at any major tournaments this summer, but how how much better can they really expect to do with changing the coach? I wonder too if this because of like because of Wadetti's comments at the end of the summer, you know, where he was just going out there and just kind of putting Kyra Kurt on blast and, and putting Kantu Albay on, on blast and, and and a few others. I wonder if there's a division within the team happening that kind of we weren't aware of. And if there was some friction between Guidetti and the Federation or Guidetti and, 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 the, and, the, and the team. Um, because otherwise, like to me, it, it, it is, you know, very much there's, there's two things here. First and foremost, who better are you going to be able to get? And I've right. also heard that they're not wanting another, uh, another Italian so that, you know, Manzanti and Abondanza and like none of those guys are, are available if they don't want to be working with another Italian. But but second of all, it kind of you kind of look at their roster and just being like they don't stack up to the top four teams in the world, just player for player. Like Eber Ericurt is fantastic, but as we've seen, especially with Novara this season, she's an absolute error machine, and they've got no one else except for anyone anyone down the middle, right? So it's it is a it is a bit of a head head scratcher. It'll be interesting to see who they go out and, and get, uh, because yeah, like who who's available and. Are they going to be any better? Yeah, that, I think that's exactly the question. So the, the rumor that I was reading on Turkish volleyball media boards and stuff like that, it, it's crazy that I'm digging that deep into us. But apparently 
the the rumor lately is that they're going to go back and get Fairhot Akbash, who right now is coaching at Zajabasha. And we'll talk about their match against Giovanni Gadetti and Vakabank in just a minute. But uh, Fairhot Akbash is, I mean, nice, nice hire. Younger guy uh, is coaching a really good Turkish team right now, club team. But the problem is he just signed to become the new head coach of the Croatian women's team. So like like just now, like after this summer. So he's going to have to go and try and negotiate his way out of a contract that he just signed if he's going to, in fact, coach the Turkish women's team. So I'm fascinated to see how that goes. But will that even be better necessarily? It's, it's kind of impossible so to know. And like we, we talked about it during the world championship, like Turkey is still new to being a team at this echelon of global volleyball. Their players are still new to this. And it's, o- it's okay that, that their program is not on the podium at the world championship yet. That's okay. They're firing their coaches if they're the Polish men's team. And every time they fail to win a tournament, that's like all hell is breaking loose. That's not the case for this team. So how, is changing a coach really going to be the difference between getting them from fourth, fifth, sixth to the podium at international events? I don't think so. I think, like you said, the talent's just not quite there yet, top to bottom. No, I, I honestly, the more I think about this, the more it has to have been something mutual uh, on the back end because it just makes no sense at like whatsoever for the Turkish Federation uh, to to go and uh, go ahead. But then again, if we want to move on to this, his track record of late hasn't been great as another loss for Vakif Bank, and this was the team that we thought was the golden team. He took the best team in the world from last year, added the best player in the world. And sometimes, sometimes one plus one doesn't equal to it, it equals zero. Uh, and just like <laughs> the number of sets they won in this one. Uh, because, yeah, like that's not even close. 17, 21, and 20? Like. So Vakif Bank goes in the Istanbul Derby and gets three dong by Zajabasha, like Everett said, 17, 21, 20, like not particularly close. I watched this game. Zajabasha was the better team from first serve to last, wasn't close. And it's 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 crazy that uh, in the middle was one area that I was impressed that Zajabash was able, able to hang in there because on, on paper, uh, Vakif Bank's middles are significantly better. But I definitely want to shout out Hande Baladin. 12 for 17 on the outside. I mean, she's in this graphic for good reason. 12 for 17 with no errors, 71% efficiency, and 62% perfect passing. Like that's 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 got to be the best match of her career, and I know that she's had a little bit of a headbutting with Gudetti on the national team level about her level of playing time. Not that it's not that any Turkish outside hitter has really deserved all that much court time, but what a statement by Hande Baladin! Like that that was that was awesome. I think there's this there's past that. I think there's a few takeaways for me. First and foremost is we got to start looking at Gudetti and being like, is has is he losing his touch? You know, and and not overall. I think just coaches they go through these cycles where just sometimes everything they're saying, like like at, at this point, how long has he been with Vakif Bank? How long has he been with the, the Turkish national team? At what point does his voice start kind of falling on deaf ears? You know, at what point does his voice just become normal for for some of those those Turkish players? Because this is a lot of turmoil for a team that should be on paper the best team in the world. Second of all, it, it's kind of a double edged. Tiana Boscovich, is she back in the conversation for the best player in the world? Because her resume of late speaks not only to that. Even in this one, look, looking at her numbers, 12 points, 18 for 37. Like, she was absolutely fantastic. But 
what I'm seeing from Boscovich, and this is like, I'm just seeing the end result. I'm not seeing the intangibles of why this is happening, but the players around Boscovich get elevated. The players around Agonu get deflated. Like if we're looking at Gabby in this one, what she putting up seven points, she's five for 12, right? Like it's, and Nika Daldrop even worse, two for ten with two errors. Like there's, I don't really know what's going on there. I, and we, we've got we've got a point in the chat that uh, says Vakabank showed that you can have all fantastic players, but if your setter sucks, you're getting nowhere. And watching this match, I sort of agreed. The stat sheet definitely backs that up. As all of Vakabank's attackers struggled a little bit, uh, even Agoni was well. Agoni was better than Boscovich in this match, for the record. Uh, Boscovich made seven errors, which is uncharacteristic for her. But the rest of Vakabank's hitters were not good, and I think that Jansu Osbe did not have her best match. And then the interesting point is that uh, Maya Onyenovich didn't even play for Zajabasha. This was Elif Shahin setting this team, which is another very interesting move. So, I mean, maybe there's drama at the Turkish starting setter position as well. I don't know what's going on there. Damn. Wow. This, I think this is a big statement match um, because, you know, like, like we were pegging, like in my mind, it was just like going to try to beat her old record of defeated games. Right. And now it's at this point, it's the question is, are they the best team in Turkey anymore? <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly argue would argue right now that they're not. I mean, they got three dong by Fenerbahce in the Super Cup, and they get three donged here in a huge rivalry game against Zajbasha. Now, I know Champions League hasn't started yet, but their their highest competition in the in the league so far this year, Vakafank just hasn't been up to it. I know they beat Fener, they beat Fenerbahce in the in the revenge game in the regular season, but so far, like in in the two biggest games in the season so far, Vakafank has not showed up. No, absolutely not. It's uh it's it's a big, big question mark for me. And I mean, to be perfectly honest, if you're like it, we there was all almost a trade in the offseason, right? Hawk for for a gun. That's that's right. basic that's basically what we saw between Vakif Bank and, and Canigliano. This is so weird. I don't think you'd see it in any other sport, but here we are. Let's go volleyball. Right now, Canigliano looks like they won that trade. And it's not because Egonu's not playing well enough, but for some reason the team hasn't figured it out. And like yep. Hawk, Hawk was so good for that team; she fit in perfectly. And uh, now maybe maybe it's it's easier to adjust to a team with Hawk on it than it is to a team with Egonu on it. I think there might be something there. Fair enough. Well, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have to keep on watching the uh, Turkish league. Nice and close, and of course, both of these teams will be competing in the Champions League and in the Club World Championships in a few in a few weeks' time. So, a lot of potential uh, showdowns from from these two teams, and things are just getting spicier and spicier on the women's side. And I, for one, love it. Yeah, I love it too. And speaking of Canaliano, we'll get to them in a minute as we talk about the Italian yeah. Women's League. But let's talk about ever the Italian Men's League. Uh, match day eight was going down this past weekend. There was one match on Saturday. Let's start there. That's Monza getting past Cisterna in five. Really good competitive match. But honestly, like even watching this one, I don't really know what to take away from this. I, I, I don't have really any major thoughts or takeaways from either Monza or Cistana. I think they're both slightly above average Superlega teams. I think they're both in the conversation for the playoffs. But Monza winning this one in five doesn't really tell me anything. For me, so far this season... More or less, Chisterna is the team I thought Monza was going to be. Now, 
I thought Monza was going to be better with the, with Kachopa, you know, especially those those first few matches, the early going of the World Championships, and and then the the Nations League. I was like, damn, you add Kachopa to this mix, and that's going to be a lot of fun. They've they've had to to readjust since Zimmerman Zimmerman has come in, whereas Chesterna has been an absolute just gong show of a ride. They go three and zero, then zero and three, then beat Lube, then lose to Monza. Like to me, I still don't know who Chesterna is. Watching them is is really interesting. Um, they're a much better team than I thought they would be. I think they make things a lot more interesting, but I do think that they're going to settle down kind of in the mid pack, and I think this game kind of kind of showed it. Um, I mean. I think one of the big takeaways for me too is the bounce back ba- game by uh, Gregor Grozier, who still shows he still got it. Thirty-two points in one twenty-seven forty-eight. Uh, what a monster! And, <laughs> what yeah, an ageless just, just, monster! Just, just an absolute monster. And, and you know what? Like this, uh, this Monza team is a lot of fun to watch. There's a bunch of grinders with Davis Skiba and Mar on the outside. It's just like Galassi and Beretta d- down the middle. Zimmerman, like it's just a gritty team that has a lot, a lot of fun. Zimmerman was out there with four blocks uh, uh, in this one too. So Dude, I, I wanted to bring that up. Like one. Monza had eleven blocks and ten aces as a team, which is crazy. Like those are crazy point scoring numbers, like on their serve, and still needed five sets to win this match. That's that's kind of crazy to me. Like they were better in every statistical category than Chisterna was, and still only got it done in five, like fifteen, eleven. I'm I'm kind of surprised by that. Yeah, Monza. I think like they're they're gritty, but they don't they just don't know how to finish just yet, and that that's that's something that's gonna that's gonna need to 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 get a little better. I I think if they're gonna really wanna really wanna threaten to be one of the top teams, because it's it's to me it's wide open. Superliga is wide open. You've got other other than one particular spot. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it is wide open. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, another another big win for Monza, and I mean after once again after starting zero and three. They are slowly climbing back up those uh, uh, that ladder, and I think they're going to be a team to watch for this season for sure. And uh, just to update a question in the chat, any update regarding Kachopa's situation? When will he come back? Uh, he will not. Uh, he tore his ACL. That is a bare minimum nine-month nine recovery. We would be very lucky to see him for national team season. So do not expect Kachopa to play at all this club season for Monza, which is a shame, but I know that he's still there. He's still hanging out in Italy. He's around the team. He's getting rehab. He's uh, really in Jan Zimmerman's ear a lot during matches, which is cool, but he will not play this year. That I can promise, which is a shame because we were all really looking forward to watching him in the Superliga. Yeah, he really blossomed this year in the national team for Brazil, and it's quite clear that the torch has been passed from Bruno to Cachopa, finally, I, I, I might add, but uh, yeah. It it's really it's a it's really too bad that we don't we don't get to see him and it's crazy because Onza they've got some big wins this year like including over like their their wins so far are are Lube Pichenza and one of the best statistical teams just but Onza is still at three and five sitting in ninth place. Yeah, I was just about to bring up the standings and I don't have a graphic for this unfortunately, but there are, there are five teams right now at four and four. Like teams four through eight in the league are all four and four. Monza right behind them at three and five. And like that th- that's why like these two teams, like a Monza and a Chisterna, are gonna be fighting for that eighth or maybe seventh playoff spot, depending on how everything else shakes out. But it speaks to the the parity and the competitiveness in that middle pack of the league. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there's only seven points separating second, ninth. 
right now. And, <laughs> and, and that's absolutely nothing. And especially that even in the 10th is Padova and they've got three wins, which is just as much as Monza in ninth, but three, those three wins are all coming in, in, in five. So they only have the six points. So yeah, things even are Siena, even Siena in 12th, they're only there because they've played two less matches than everyone else. They, they had one post, they, they've had two matches postponed, including one that was supposed to be, be versus Lube Chivinova this past weekend, but Lube had positive COVID tests and had to postpone the match. Yeah, and that's a that's, little that's, scary in and of itself. That that is bringing us back to last year, where yeah, it seemed every it, like it seemed like the nine by nine, like going flashing back to the early episodes of the nine by nine. It was literally just a headline of which COVID, games were COVID, being canceled COVID, due to COVID. COVID. <laughs> like the, that that's that's all we were talking talking about. Uh, so that's a little bit scary. Hopefully, hopefully the that that's the only one we have this year. But uh, yeah, no Lube versus versus Siena. But I mean, let's be honest, probably wouldn't have been much to talk about in that one Agreed. actually I say that there's been a lot of there's been a lot of shit this year anyways so <laughs> i'm not going to say anything like that because who knows what who's who who knows what's going to happen yeah not much to talk about about modena beating toronto three to one either we'll skip right over that one to this one yeah. Uh, the battle at the top of the league, uh, top two teams in the league right now, Perugia versus Trentino. Uh, they're significantly separated in the standings, and sure enough, they're separated in this match. Perugia wins 3-1. to one. Uh, Trentino grabs the first 25-22, but the scores the rest of the time, uh, 19, 25, and 13 in the fourth. Uh, Perugia is the best team in the league. It's very clear. I mean, we, we saw them do all these awesome battles with Trentino. Last. The world. They're the best team in the world, yeah. Perugia versus Trentino last year was my favorite matchup of any two teams in the world. It was better than JW versus Zaxa. It was and, better. And we got a lot. And we got a lot of it. And like that Champions League semi, of course. But I really think that Trentino is the only team, both matchup-wise and overall talent, that can really stack up against Perugia this year. And in this one, Perugia was so clearly the better team. Everett, do you think Perugia loses a match this regular season? I don't think so, because in past years, whenever you would look at Perugia and like, yes, they were so good, but there was always just that question question of depth. Um, whereas this year, like they've like this was the first game in a while that they had Leon on the roster. True. They've been trucking along nicely yep. without the best player in the world. Uh, and then when you have an outside pairing without him of Semenyuk and Plotnitsky. That's nasty. Rich Licky is is always going to give you a certain amount of, of points per game. Um, you have a top three setter in the world um, and arguably one of the best leaders in the setter position right now in, in Simone Gianelli. You're solid, absolutely solid down the middle. Like this team does not have any faults. Um, and Anastasi has, you know, stayed out of his own way so far and hasn't done any stooginess. Uh, so <laughs> it's a good yeah, way to but, say it stayed out of his own way. I like that. Right. You know, like I think Anastasi, especially is a, is a guy who tend maybe tends to get, get into his own way. And I think we saw a lot of that in Warshawa last year. That's why it's mind blowing to me that he was given this, this, this position, but Hey, here failing we are. Upwards. Yeah. Failing upwards. You take a team <laughs> that like goes to champions league and they don't even make the playoffs the next year. And then somehow you're gifted the best team in the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we saw it in this one. Trentino, in my book, is probably the, the second best team in the league, especially with the Jekyll and Hyde situation that we've been seeing in Lube recently. Um, and then no one else has just been able to step up, especially Piacenza, who I would have thought would have been able to uh, to, to compete, you know, mixing Bizarre and and uh, and Simone and, and everyone else. But yeah, I, I honestly don't think that Perugia loses a match this season. I, I think that they could go they could go undefeated. 
Yeah, they're certainly going to be favored in every match they play. But, I mean, just let's look at some numbers from this match because there are a couple jarring, jarring numbers. Thing number one, zero unforced attack errors for Perugia. Zero. That's outstanding. Uh, they get blocked six times. Trentino is a great blocking team, but zero unforced errors. That's awesome. Another thing, Matej Kaziski for Trentino. 0 for 14 with six errors. That's 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 that that to me is probably the biggest indicator. I mean, because yes. he's leading the Super League in, in scoring this year. Like, if he's if he's not scoring, that's a big hole for Trentino. So massive negative efficiency there. Gabrielli Nelly started sets three and four at opposite, which is a terrible spot to be in. And also Alessandro Micheletto, zero percent efficiency, ten for twenty-seven, uh, six hit, six errors blocked four times. Like th- these. And then in the middle as well, Perugia's middles, uh, Flavio and Roberto Russo, their numbers were better than the two Serbians for Trentino. Like all of the advantages that we kind of think Trentino has in their play style were completely negated by this Perugia team. They're yeah, just, they're just they're so much yeah. better than everyone else. Yeah, they are just so much better. And that's what I think they just overwhelm everyone. They just overwhelm you at every single position. Um, and. You know what? This kind of reminds me of um, kind of like LeBron James. Like, you know, year one, it doesn't work. I'm just going to retool with all of my bad guys, and we're going we're gonna to go out again. Because, or sorry, or even better, like the, the Golden State Warriors. You know, like we've got it. We're, we, can't, we can't win it. Let's go get out there and get Kevin Durant and just, just put it all together. Because, man, this – I just don't see any holes in them. Yeah, well, there are none. Yeah, there's nothing. I mean, a point in the chat I was going to say maybe only a coach can destroy it from the inside. And like you said, uh, Anastasia's done a great job of staying out of his own way, not making any stupid moves. So, yeah, I, I would I would not pick Perugia to lose any matches unless like maybe maybe down the line they have the one seed locked up and they start playing the bench for the last couple matches of the regular season. But they're, they're just so darn good, and we knew that coming in. But sure enough, uh, they took their honestly most legitimate challengers and beat them easily. Uh, shall we move on to a very interesting matchup next? Yeah, let's let, let's do it. This one I'm I'm excited to talk about. So let's talk about Milano versus Piacenza. Piacenza wins fifteen thirteen in the fifth. Crazy roller coaster back and forth game. Uh, Milano went up two to one. Milano was up twelve to eight in the fifth before letting Perugia or Piacenza, excuse me, come all the way back. I did make a point in the chat, like as soon as it was 14-13, I said Robert Landy Simone ace to win it. He immediately cut one short and scored for the win, 15-13. And so if, if you look on the stat sheet and you see that Milano was up 12-8 to eight in the fifth and they lost, you would say, oh man, Milano choked that match away. But what you don't see immediately is that they only had one middle blocker. Milano only had one middle blocker. Marco Vitelli was the only healthy middle blocker on the roster. No Agustin Loser, no Matteo Piano. And they only have three middles on the roster in general. And two of them were hurt. So they lined up Milad Ibadapur as a middle blocker. And him and Mergarejo shared middle blocking and attacking duties. Like they lined up next to each other and kind of switched back and forth. A lot of time, like, uh, Ibadapur would block in the middle, but attack on the left side inside out. And Mergarejo would run basically front and back two balls. And they still pushed Piacenza to five and probably should have won the match with only one middle blocker. So my question ever is, what the hell's going on here? Like, help help me unpack this thing. Like, what? 
how is Milano able to get away with this? And how is Piacenza with their level of talent not just stomping them into the ground with only one middle blocker playing? To me, if anything good happens to Piacenza at the end of the year, like they make the playoffs, they make a deep run, they get a European slot, whatever it may be, they need to look back at the beginning of the year and thank their lucky stars, thank their angels or whatever, that they keep on coming up against teams with these random deficiencies. First, you get Trentino worth no Spertoli, and you got a 19-year-old rookie chucking the ball for, for the first time in a Super Lega match, and you barely get out of it. Now you play Milano with only one middle, and you barely get out of it. This Piacenza team was supposed to be the, the, the disruptor. They were supposed to be the Uber of Super Lega. You know, I'm going to come in, I'm going to get all of these new the, the, these guys, and we're going to tear things up. But so far, it has been pitiful to me there's just like there's there's something missing there's that it factor missing like simone and brizal just don't have the magic that the checo and and no. uh, and simone have they really have. don't you know they they just don't have that unifying guys and you look at the numbers for this piacenza team too like one thing that boggles my mind like how did uh, Milano get 27 more swings than than piacenza in this one but at the same time like Piacenza's numbers aren't bad. They're hitting like fifty nine percent, like before the efficiency, and like their numbers past that, like they had less errors and got blocked less than Milano. So, like, what, like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it breaking down for them? Like, this team is just it. It to me, it, it's almost like another basketball reference. It kind of feels like when when. um like Dwayne Wade and all those guys joined LeBron at the Cavs and they just thought they were going to be good or like the current Lakers and it's just not working. You know, it's just like they've got all these guys and it's just like, like, well, we should be dominating and they just don't work well together. Yeah, maybe maybe that's it. I mean, serve, serve reception is definitely a bit of a weakness for Piacenza right now. Uh, four aces to 19 service errors. Uh, Milano, conversely, 10 aces. Um, a whole, whole lot of errors. 28 errors is a huge number. But yeah, I mean, Piacenza blocked the ball better. They attacked the ball better, obviously, because Milano literally only had one middle blocker. But there's a point in the chat that I completely agree with. How are you only giving Robert Lenny Simone 11 attempts against a team with one middle? In five sets, True. how are you? How are you only giving Robert Lenny Simone the best middle in the world? Only 11 attempts in five sets against a team with only one middle blocker. And a lot of that match, especially the back half, he was matched up with a Badapur one-on-one. Set him every ball. Every ball. There was a huge one in the fifth set that Simone hit into the net because Brizard underset it badly. Then there was another one that a Badapur blocked him one-on-one. What are we doing not allowing the best player in the world to feast Again, being blocked by somebody who doesn't even play the position. That just doesn't make sense. It, to me, it just goes back to Dan's stat from last year that we had in the uh, the, the year-end wrap-up, that Simone had more points than uh, hitting attempts, attempts last season. And that like that, he is not on the way to make this stat, that, that stat this year. And you're right. You're absolutely right. They need to feed the beast. Like I know Brizard comes from that French system where everyone's good and you just like to spread it like butter, uh, you know, across uh, across a, f- a fresh crusty croissant. But like, no, you just need to shove it down the, the guzzle and just give it give it to your guy because uh, 
this is Cuba and this is communism. So you just, you, you, need, you need to give it to them. <laughs> I love everything about that. Uh, yeah, crazy, crazy, weird, weird match. One of the most fun matches I've watched this year. Uh, just very strange. And Milano, I mean, I know they, they did choke it away in the fifth. I want to be clear about that. Like they were up 12 to 8. Like they absolutely had it. They needed three side outs and they blew it. But to get a point out of this situation with only one healthy middle blocker is... I'm at a, at a macro level. That's that's a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice little bonus. So a uh, fun one. Patrick, Go back and watch the replay on this. Patrick, zero for five in the fifth. Your boy, not getting. Yeah, that, that wasn't good. That wasn't good. Yeah, that's uh, that that's that's uh, that's stuff to see. Milano, another team that you know people thought were going to be able to be able to get it together, and they just haven't haven't been able to to do it so far. Haven't been able to to, to put it all all together. Where are they sitting in the standings right now? I think they're eighth. Uh, yeah, eighth, four and four. They're a point behind Lube and Piacenza. Yeah, and two points, two points ahead of Monza. All right. Yep. Does that does that wrap everything up there for the men's side of the Super League of this? One there, more, there, uh, one more that we can go over last. quickly. Uh, we had a Monday match for some reason, which was kind of weird uh, on Monday. So this is yesterday. Uh, Verona beat Padova three uh, zero. A nice hour and a shower. A twenty one seventeen and twenty one like effortlessly we don't even need to dig into this very much but i want to ask you everett how far can this verona team go i still don't know okay. truly i still i still don't know because they've folded easily against good teams and they beat bad teams easily right they are an offensive f- f- powerhouse with shapoyakov and mozic and Morikeda. i don't know if you have a better threesome out there like, like truly, like you just got three bazookas on the outside, three to put you, put you to town uh, at any time. But when they play against the good teams and they start getting exposed, Kata will get exposed on serve receive. And then it's the decision of, are they going to bring in Gore Heron to, to, to play that P2 position uh, and just hold it down? Or are they just going to weather the storm? I don't know if they have, like there's so many question marks from for from Verona for me like starting at the coaching position is Stoichev the guy to be able to, to run this team like I've had so many questions about him for years and and, and so have you uh but is Verona as, as a club ready to make a run like this like uh, I, I don't know I have to see a lot more from them beating Padova doesn't do anything for me go out there beat Lube fair. go 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 out there beat beat Trentino hell beat beat you know like Beat beat Lube or Trentino first. <laughs> yeah, beat beat Piacenza. That, that would convince me at least a little bit. Uh, this week they have Modena coming up on Sunday. Uh, I would be decently convinced by a win there. Uh, and I, I mean, the only number is a step I w- in the right direction for me. Yeah, step in the right direction. I mean, both both Keita and Mozic both over fifty percent efficiency in this match. Both of them. It's absolutely yeah, ridiculous. Padova. But it's Padova. Yeah. So I I agree. Like, I, I don't think there's I don't think it's that much of an achievement to beat Padova 3-0, but they are showing I mean, right now they're third in the standings. Like they 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 could be a semifinal team, in my opinion, if they can punch above their weight class just a little bit. But that that, that could be every team. Other than other than Trentino and Perugia, in my opinion. No, that could I, be I think Verona. I mean, Lube's got the pedigree, but I think Verona has more, has a higher ceiling and more talent, more potential than Cisterna, Modena, Piacenza, Milano, or Monza. I like Verona better than all of those teams. I right now, I honestly might put them fourth. If I were to power rank the league, I might actually put Verona fourth 
behind Perugia, Trentino, and the roller coaster that is Lube, I might actually put Verona fourth. And uh, if we're talking about upside, I agree. But if yeah. we're talking about just if like is does this team get it job get the job done on a consistent basis? Like what happens when things get tough? You know they haven't lost there's, any there's, of the dumb matches. The, the, their only dumb loss this year was a five setter to Toronto, which makes no sense. But every every all their other games this year, they've either won against good teams, like they beat Trentino, they beat Piacenza, or they've lost to good teams, like they lost to Lube when Lube played well, and they lost to Perugia. So other than that, I'm seeing it so far for Verona. I'm seeing it. We'll we'll see if they can prove more consistency. I honestly would put them fourth in the league right now in power rankings. I would disagree with that. I, I I would I would put them in the top four. I just don't know if they're going to be a team that's going to compete down the stretch. That to, that to me is a big big question mark. Yeah, that's you, fair. The, that remains to be seen. You've just got so many like uh, so many guys who are unproven. And I mean, as much as we love the Rock, he just puts up good good numbers in the regular season. Right, Russell Westbrook. Westbrook has done that. Like the Rock couldn't even. How dare you? How I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Right, where was the Rock and VNL on the bench? Where was the Rock and uh, and the World Championships on the bench? So actually, no, no VNL the, was on the court. But still, the, the, the Rock and VNL was on the court, and then their coach got fired. The Rock and World Championship came in on the right side. So you, you, you can't. How I'm dare saying, you? you got a bunch how, of, how, like, how dare you? How dare you compare him to Russell Westbrook? That that, that is that is insulting. Yeah, that was that was slanderous. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you don't deserve that. <laughs> He doesn't deserve that. Uh, the Rock is the man. So is Morikata. I love watching those two play. We'll see if uh, Verona can beat um, can beat a little Modena action this weekend. Uh, let's take a look before we move on from from the Italian men to what's going on this weekend. Uh, let's see. We got a game. We got a game Thursday. Uh, that's kind of nice. Uh, Perugia versus Modena on Thursday. Uh, that must be being moved Ooh. up for CEV or some other competition to get it out of the way. Uh, In normal so, times, I'd say this is going to be exciting. But, uh, I mean, we'll see what Legumgia is going to be able to do against. I feel like this is where Legumgia thrives. Like, he's in the underdog position. He's got nothing to lose. He's going to put up big numbers. If I was a betting man, which I am, uh, I, would, I would bet in Legumgia putting up big numbers. Okay, so Perugia versus Moda on Thursday. Then uh, looking into the weekend, uh, Trentino versus Milano on Saturday. Maybe a decent match. Uh, Sunday, Perugia, Perugia versus Cisterna. Modena versus Verona, like we said. Piacenza versus Lube is a pretty big one for both teams. Padova versus Modena, and then Siena versus Taranto might have uh, relegation implications. So uh, a lot of volleyball going on in Italy, uh, so should be a good week and weekend in that league. Speaking of Italy, Everett, are you ready to move on to the women's league? Yeah, let's let's jump over to the women for sure, because this is where things get spicy. <laughs> All right, so since our last show, we've had two full days of play in the Lega Volley Femminile. Like we said in the last show, there was a full day of games on Wednesday and then another full day of games on Sunday. So we'll start with Wednesday's games because there were a couple bangers. Most notably, we've got to start with Monza or Milano, as they're called on the women's side. This is the same club, but they're going by Milano on the women's side and Monza on the men's side because there already is a Milano on the men's side. Very confusing. Anyway, Milano beats Scandici 3-2. to two. Uh, great match. Uh, let's see, 20, 25-23, 21-25, 25-20, 26-24, 15-8. So the, set was not, sorry, the fifth set was not close. Uh, Milano ran away with it, but very, very good match. Uh, this was for Milano to remain undefeated at the time, which they were able to do. Uh, a lot of pretty big offensive numbers all the way around. I mean, Camille Mingardi for Scandici, 50 attempts. Uh, Zhu Ting, 49 attempts. 
Uh, Jordan Thompson, 52 attempts for Milano. Uh, a lot going on there. Where do, where do you want to start in breaking this one down, Everett? Because I watched this match and had a good time and have a few points to make. Well, to me, I was exa- actually expecting this to go the other way. Um, yeah, I, you, I, you I, like Scandici in this one? I, I really, really, I really like like Scandici in general. I think it's a really well put together squad. Uh, I like it. Um, I've grown to love Camilla Mugardi. I think she's a bull in a china shop. Um, and Zhu Ting is, is is getting it back. But Milano looked good in this one, right? Uh, Stizak was was all right. Her passing numbers not too shabby out there. Like she did get aced four times. But other than that, sixty-three percent positive, twenty-five, twenty-six percent perfect. So, like, they're not even going after her. They're as much they're going after Scylla uh, and Davidiba more, which to me is a little is a little bit questionable. Uh, I have to question um, uh, Scandici's serving uh, in that one, but I, I love it. This is this is why I love the women's side so much because there's all these powerhouse teams with some of the best athletes in the world just going toe to toe. Yeah, this. This is a really good match against two real between really two, two great teams and Monza or Milano, whatever we want to call them. Like we said on last week's show, they picked up Jordan Larson again, who is not here yet. So uh, yeah. they're going to get her in the mix, and maybe that'll make their outside hitter position a little lesser of a revolving door, or honestly, it might make it more of a revolving door. We talked about it on last week's show, all the uncertainty and how they're building their roster but on raw talent alone they were able to get this one done uh, jordan thompson looked great on the scandici side though really no no worries if you lose this one in five no worries because you've got to point out that ophelia malinov isn't playing right now so you're, you're, you're down your starting setter while she works her way back from some kind of injury uh this isabella de julio character I, I remember calling a couple of her games last year she was a starter on a bad team and she's fine uh, but like she's yeah. not she's she's not going to take Scandici to a podium in this league, whereas Malinov can do that. So I think Scandici, as we'll talk about in their other game from this weekend, is going to be really good as they continue to put it together. And I like the construction of their team more as we get Juting kind of back into the mix. And uh, I, I agree with you. I like Mingardi a lot. And then if you need some different opposite look, you got Antropova coming off the bench. So I do like the way Skandiji's put together. Uh, I do think Milano is a little better in the middle right now. That might be an advantage for them. Sorry, two seconds. I'm getting a spam phone call from China mainland. Um, oh, uh, one thing maybe also mentioned... maybe, maybe she's calling you. Yeah, she's, <laughs> they're, they're calling up. Um, one thing also about Skandiji that I love, Brenda Castillo. Yeah, Best great call. Like numbers on unserve. Okay, China. I'm sorry. Like I'm I'm on a call right now. We'll talk about Chu Ting's contract later. Um, <laughs> um, like like look at Castillo's passing numbers. This one, ninety four percent positive, eighteen passes and and one and got aced once. So other than the one time she got aced, she was basically passing passing above two and sixty one percent perfect. She's 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 fantastic. But Whoa, but let's move those on. Numbers now, are nuts. Yeah, we got, we got a lot to talk about here uh, in the uh, in the women's league. Which, which one do you want to talk about uh, next? You want to talk about Busto and Kieri? Yeah, uh, I from, think, uh, from day seven. I think yeah, I think we should address Busto versus Kieri from day seven. Just continue Busto continuing to slide like compared to the consistent playoff team that we've expected them to be. This was, I think, their sixth loss in a row at this point, and they did right the ship in a terrible game against Pinarola that I called on Sunday. Uh, they beat them no problem in, in the eighth match day. But I also just kind of think that Kieri is really good. 
I think Kieri's good. I think they're they're I don't know if they're a top four team in the league, but they're definitely a top five team in the league. And I've been really impressed by them so far. Yeah, Kieri has been has been interesting. And I remember when when I did the uh, preview with with uh, Tommy, I, I just I wasn't too too high on them. They've got a few nice pieces. But they've come together really, really well so far. Kind of like the the uh, Chisterna of of the uh, of the women's side, you know, a, a few a bunch of nice pieces come together to do to do some good stuff. I'm going to be interested to see how much this lasts throughout the uh, throughout the entire the entire year. Because when you look, even when you look at this Busto roster, you have to wonder when are you going to start getting it together. Like to me, is it the fact that you have Carly Lloyd setting you? And she hasn't played in a couple of years. She just had a kid. Like she's maybe a step or two back, and she's just get getting back into it. And if that's the case, you know, like, like I th- I think she could do it. I think she, you know, one one time she was one of the best setters in the world, um, right? Like you've got Lena Stegro, who's supposed to be one of your big players coming off the bench. Like I don't know. There's just there's just Busso's going to figure something needs to figure some things out. But they're a quality club, and I think they will. Yeah, and they had a get-right game. Like I said, they beat Pinarola, no problem, on Sunday. But yeah, Kieri, I want to shout out Francesca Villani, one of the most underrated outsides in the league. A 15 for 31 with only one error is about like 40, 46, 47% efficiency. Uh, that's that's awesome. So uh, shout-outs to her, uh, part, of, part of that Kieri offense that's really steady. I mean, they, they just don't make very many errors, and that's cool. So shout-outs yeah. to them. And- Kerry was uh, was on the right end of a three one decision in around seven, but in round eight they're on the opposite end uh, to the aforementioned Scandici. I'm to touch on this one uh, real quick, real quick, real Tobias Crick, uh, quick, <laughs> real Crick. I like that. Uh, yeah, so Scandici, like I said, that they they get right, and I mean talking about Malinov in the chat, I I I assume that if, if you're going to bench Ophelia Malinov, it's because she's hurt. Apparently, the chat is saying otherwise. Apparently, she kind of got the yips setting the other day and was so bad that they chose to bench her, which is uh, maybe the opposite of what I was saying before and it's extremely concerning rather than reassuring. Uh, so she didn't start this match against uh, Kieri either, but Scandi, she still gets it done. Uh, they're doing some really interesting stuff moving players around, uh, like... Mm-hmm. Let's see, because Elena Piatrini played sets one and two. Mingardi played sets three and four as an outside. Am I reading that right? No. Well, what's what's going on no. with these lineups here? No, that that can't be. No, right. Andrupova started the first two, and then Mingardi Mingardi uh, started the sets. sets yeah, but who's their uh, but who's their other outside hitter? Like who's Ju? who's Indre Sorokaite? Like who who is that? She must have come in for Piatrini. I don't know exactly who yeah, that they, is. They, and Ju, Ju right. Tang started. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why you're benching Pete. Well, I, I guess I know why you're benching Pietrini because she goes one for ten with two errors. Man, confusing. So what did did Kieri just not play very well? I mean, somebody who actually uh, watched this match, tell me what happened here. Uh, Kieri needs to make less errors because of that. They lost to Scandici. Okay, there it is. Uh, they made too many attacking errors. Wow, they did hit 19 balls out of bounds. That's a lot. That is uh, a, that is a lot. lot. That's a lot for that a four set match. A lot, absolutely a lot. And that this is kind of more what I'd be expecting from from this team to be to be honest from this scary team. Huh. Well, I I wanted to hype up this match between two top five teams, but it sounded like it was uh, pretty sloppy and relatively low level. I mean, thirteen percent perfect passing for Scandici is is terrible. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess I need to go back and rewatch this one to really get a feel for it. But uh, evidently, wasn't that great of volleyball. Scandici gets away with the three points. Good for them. 
Uh, there was one other really good match during this block, though, that I think we should talk about a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked a lot about Canigliano at the beginning of the show and about how they won uh, that trade. And I mean, to me, it looks like they have. Like, they've been absolutely perfect so far. Isabel Hack has been unreal. She had 21, uh, 28 points and then won 25 for 48 with three blocks. Um, she's been unreal. And I mean, it doesn't matter this lineup that you put out there for Canigliano. We've seen it with Alexa Gray. We've seen it with Catherine Plummer. Um, who did they have? Oh, they had, um, did, no, not, yeah, Alessia Denari come in off the bench and play on the left side uh, late in this one. And she did a fantastic job when Kelsey Cook uh, was in, Kelsey Robinson Cook wasn't getting the job done. So, you yeah, know, that was, like that was, I think, a foreigner limit thing because they wanted to bring Robin DeCroix in, but they couldn't unless they mm. brought it in an Italian outside hitter. So, uh, that, that's that's a little bit of an issue for them because they have foreigners at setter and opposite, and so you've got to. I mean, they've obviously got an Italian libero, but they they then need one Italian middle and one Italian outside hitter, which is not exactly their optimal lineup. Janari uh, is a good player; like she can come in and pass the ball next to Catherine Plummer, which definitely makes sense. It's exactly what they did in this one. Uh, but you you also you want to have Robin DeCroif in there as much as you can, which then means Gennari is going to play a lot more. And that we also haven't seen your girl Alexa Gray hardly at all this entire season. So a lot of talent we on Canigliano, not enough, not, early not on, enough but the, spots. We, we saw Alexa, Alexa uh, quite a bit early on, and we haven't seen her in the past the past few matches. So it, I'd be interested to, 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 to see or hear what's, uh, what's going on with that. And I mean, it is still early in the season. They're still probably trying to trying out some lineups, figure um, to figure something out, figure some things out. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like it's going to be really interesting to see how this team comes together once Jordan Larson isn't into the mix because you're just, you're just, I don't know if it actually changes anything. I, I, I really don't like it. Like, I think it does. Do you... I think it does. Like, I, I can see already just like watching matches and looking at stat sheets. Magdalena Stisiak's leash as an outside hitter is getting shorter and shorter. I mean, that, that match against Scandici, we talked about, uh, she played the first three sets before getting benched for Davi Skiba. This one, she only played the first set before getting benched for Davi Skiba. And I think, and it's not because she's passing that badly, but she hit negative efficiency. And like, that's just not acceptable. So you've got two superstar or borderline superstar level opposites, only one court spot for them. You're trying to put both of them on the court. Monza talking about, or Milano, whatever, and it's just not really working. So I think that Jordan Larson coming in is going to provide a lot of stability for them, but then that that's going to result in Stisiak sitting the bench for basically the second straight year. Like, all I want is for this girl to get a chance to play her position and to play it consistently. Like, last year, she got benched for Lise Von Hecke most of the year. This year, she's never going to play over Jordan Thompson. Like, why can't we find Magdalena Stisiak a team where she can play opposite? I want to know if she wants to play opposite or if the like is she want to play on the outside or does the team want her to play on the outside? I think right? the like, team wants what, her to play on the outside. Like, what's going on? Because we just saw her be dominant in the world championships, right? Poland does not go as far as they do without Magdalena Stiziak, right? And without having uh, what's face Smarzek there in the, in the world championship, she was way better. Right. I don't understand why you're trying this. And then you, you on top of it, you're just picking up all of these other names, it, it, it just seems silly because exactly to your point, Stiziak is going to end up on the bench. Jordan Thompson has been playing pretty good so far. Like she's, yeah. she's looked, she's looked pretty, 
pretty good, especially like she spent all that time off, didn't have to play world championships, so she's rested. And Stizak is just like moving her to the left side would make no sense to me whatsoever in uh, for a number of reasons but most of all she just doesn't move like an outside she's not dynamic she's not quick she doesn't have a good touch on the ball like she she can't really fix things like yes you have oro there setting setting you and yeah she's a fantastic setter but like there's just it doesn't make sense at all like ugh, i don't like it I, agree. I just don't like it i agree yeah milano's roster is just not well constructed it's weird it's uh, it's confusing. I can never pick who their starting lineup is going to be in a given match. And meanwhile, Caneliano, even though they do have some moving parts, uh, Isabel Hawk right now looks like the best player in the league. She has yeah. been just so good. So no good. Absolutely. Like above, above 40% efficiency again in this one. Like just casually ripping balls. Uh, her and Volish look great together. I'm, and Caneliano is the best team in the league again. I mean, we thought there that this was going to be the year that they would kind of get knocked off the top and, uh, not at all. Only undefeated team in the league standing anymore. Uh, speaking of standings, let's take a look. Uh, Caneliano at 9-0, and but more importantly, there's seven points clear of Novara in second. And then second through fifth, you've got a huge block of teams. Uh, 19, 19, 18, 18 points uh, between those four teams. And then, uh, unfortunately, the two teams promoted from the second division last year, looking like they're going to get relegated so far. <laughs> I mean, unless Busso doesn't figure things out. I mean, to me, if and looking at this stuff, like Busso's a team that can still make a run. Like oh, sure. Busso's a team yeah. that, can, that can still figure it out. They can they can still come back. So I think this is going to get going to get turned up uh, once again. But yeah, when you look at that middle cluster, like this is why I love watching the women's the women's side so 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 much because there's just you just don't know what's what's going to happen between Navarro Scandici, uh, Monza slash Milano, whatever you call them. Our, our friend Joe, in, in our there. friend Joe in the chat has a great name for them. Uh, that would be Malanza. I think that's what Malanza. we might have to. I think we Malanza. might have to start calling him that. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. Malanza. Okay. Let's, so, let's yeah, do it. We're we're gonna call them Malanza from now on, and uh, they're still a very good team. But now they're sitting at fourth after the loss to Caneliano. Uh, let's see what's coming up this week. Uh, we've still got another week, by the way, before Women's Champions League starts. So uh, we don't have to talk about that just yet. But don't worry, we will. Uh, Caneliano versus Firenze is tomorrow. Uh, other than that, we're waiting till Sunday for matches. Kieri uh, plays Malonza. Uh, Scandici versus Busto. Uh, let's see. Caneliano has Sunday off. That's interesting. They must be moving that match elsewhere. But uh, the, uh, oh, I actually exactly know where they're moving that. Uh, the match that we definitely have to preview ever at Saturday, Italian Women's Super Cup. Just one match, Caneliano versus Novara. No like four-team tournament like the men's. Just one match, Caneliano versus Novara. Saturday, noon Eastern. Does Novara have a chance? <laughs> That's my question. No. Not a chance. Novara... Like they're sitting in second seven and two, but that's a there's a, that's a big question mark team for me. Like they've got some big holes that Karakurt's Nobby Knee can't fill. Um and so no, I I think that's probably gonna be a, a three nothing for for Canigliano. Yeah, I agree. Uh Mackenzie Adams is hurt right now. They're desperate for a second outside hitter, like uh, across from Bossetti that can actually score some points. They're just really struggling right now, missing both Herbots and Dalderop badly. And yeah, I agree. I would be shocked if they took a set in the Super Cup. Yep. Yeah, and absolutely without a doubt. 
All right. Uh, what should we take a little break to tell the people about a couple things before moving on to more volleyball? I think we absolutely should take a quick break. And while we take a quick break, before we talk about that volleyball store, guys, there's 40 of you watching this stream right now. There's 131 of you that have tuned in, and we've only got seven likes. If you don't like us, just tell us in the chat why. <laughs> Show some appreciation. If you're not going to spend your hard-earned money, which I get it, like we're in the middle of the recession and we they don't want to call it a recession, but times are tight, just give us a like. You know, that's all you got to do. Give us a like, drop us a comment afterwards, share it with some friends, you know, just, just help the homies out. Um, but otherwise, if you, if Rob, you'd be so kind to throw that graphic back up, if you do want to spend your hard earned dollars, we do have a 25% uh, discount off right now for one year anniversary. It's black Friday. I'm feeling nice. Uh, so head over to that volleyball.store to pick up all your, uh, official gear. Um, as I said, yeah, 25% off of your order. Um, I literally lost money, uh, on an order today because of like had had to digitize a file but hey that doesn't matter that that's fine sean mckay buddy i i love you if it was anyone else i I would i would be mad about it but 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 you're the man keep holding things down in in sask but that's being said go over to that volleyball.store make me lose more money uh get make sure you look good and i know here's the thing guys is that i know that this stuff isn't that nice right now but how much money do you think it's going to be worth when you have one of the first runs of the spicy volleyball tees of, you know, the, the make volleyball great sweater when you have one of the first editions, like that's going to be a lot of money in, in, in the future. So we, we do ship to Europe, uh, Gussie Pussy, uh, 1995. Um, so yeah, you can, you can get, you can get it, to get it to Europe. It's actually, what's, what's that promo code? What's too? that promo code for the 25% oh, yeah. off? Right, the promo code is going to be year one, all one word, all capital letters. Uh, so head over to that volleyball dot store uh, to check it out to get all the first edition merch because I guarantee it's going to be worth something one day. It might be worth less than you paid for originally, but it'll still be worth something. Um, so yeah, head, head over to the, that volleyball dot store. Um, Rob, is there anything else uh, you, you want to talk about? Oh yeah, also uh, yes, join our membership. Yeah, so YouTube membership is there, but there's one other nice piece of news as far as the 9x9 goes. Uh, the 9x9 is, uh, by itself is now officially on Instagram. So uh, we made an Instagram profile for the 9x9. Uh, if you are on Instagram, I demand that right now you go and follow it at 9x9 Volleyball. So at 9x9 Volleyball on Instagram uh, is the official Instagram of the 9x9. Uh, we're going to be posting a bunch of stuff there, clips from the show, big news around the volleyball world. Uh, it'll be pretty active, and uh, we're going to only ramp up the what, what how much presence there is on Instagram. But follow it at 9x9 Volleyball, and I think Everett has another note about that. And that being said, with this, we were actually looking to expand the 9 by 9 a little bit. We're looking to add some things. It's been a year. It's been a fantastic year, and there's been so much growth, and we're grateful for all of you. But if there's one of you beautiful people out there who would want to join our team um, and, and come be a producer for us, uh, we are legitimately looking for a producer to come not really help things, things during the show, but more so during the show, finding the good clips for us to clip out, you know, help, them, help us edit them for... Uh, for social uh, and get them out there on the Instagram page uh, and every uh, and and everywhere else. So yeah, uh, it would be compensated. 
we're looking at kind of a sure uh, per show uh, basis uh, in terms of, and you wouldn't be much, but you know, a little bit. And uh, yeah, you, you'd get to come work with us, help out with a little bit of research, help out planning the show, help out clip out, clip out some things and get it to, to social. So yeah, we're currently looking for uh, someone to come join us for, as the producer uh, uh, on our third and come, come join us and make it a threesome. <laughs> yeah so send us a dm at the nine by nine instagram at nine x nine volleyball or uh, on discord or wherever you can find us so speaking of discord make sure you join the volleyball source discord but yeah we are looking to to add someone in to help us out uh we want to really expand the nine by nine's presence and we just need somebody to help us produce the content to put it all over the different places that we want to help grow the show so if you're interested in joining us uh send everett or i a message or uh, DM the nine X nine volleyball Instagram account. Uh, no, back in real paid in yeah. real dollars. Oz and <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we, we will definitely get you a spicy volleyball shirt, but there also will be do- dollars involved. So uh, send us a message if you if you're interested in getting involved. Uh, shall we jump back into games, Mister Delorm? Yeah, absolutely. And hey, maybe that even turns into like trips to Ottawa and Anaheim with us, and we go to go to events too. Who, who knows? Absolutely. If you jump in at the ground floor like this, you're going to be the first person that we ask to do other stuff in the future. So, hey, it may be a good good opportunity. So shoot us an opportunity. All right. Yep. Let's let's move on. All right. Let's talk about Champions League. Uh, there's Champions League happening. Uh, there's there's no Champions League matches going on this week, but we got to catch up with Champions League matches from last week. And uh, we'll go now that there have been two matches played in every pool. We'll take a quick look at kind of how the pools are looking. Uh, very few surprises in terms of pool standing so far. We'll start with Pool A, uh, which is Yashemsky's pool. Uh, they have been untouched. Uh, they beat Novi Sad, no problem. They beat Montpellier, no problem. Uh, we already talked about the five-setter that Friedrichshafen and Montpellier played last week, but really nothing notable here. Uh, but I do want to talk about Group B, Group B, Pool B, whatever. Uh, pool B was a fun one. We, we knew coming into this pool that it was going to be really entertaining. Right now, Xavier Chase sits at the top undefeated, uh, 2-0 with six full points. Uh, they had that win over Hawk Bank that we talked about last week. This week, they actually were pretty close to dropping a point to Haybar Pizardzik, but did not. Uh, but I do want to talk about Everett uh, Hawk Bank beating Berlin 3-1, to one. Uh, 25-21, 25-19, 22-25, 25-23. Good match all around in Turkey, mm-hmm. uh, but Hawk Bank Ankara gets away with it. Uh, do you have any thoughts uh, on Micah Ma'a and Amir Abdelaziz performances? Fire. I mean, oh, yeah. first of all, atmosphere was fire. Going yeah, to Ankara, they those that crowd is unparalleled. They're so 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 good. They just they they just bring the atmosphere. Uh, and I mean, like man, Namir is just so good. Eighteen for twenty nine. And you know what I love so much about Namir's game, and it, what what I think really complements Maa too is that Namir is like Namir is a guy that likes to challenge things. He likes to challenge the block. He likes the hard situations. You know, he's he's not he's not the type of guy who's gonna be like, oh, set away from me. It doesn't it doesn't look good for me. Like never. He wants every ball. He wants he every wants every ball. ball, and he wants every every hand in his face. The way he uses the block, the way he tools, is just so good. And I think the connection with him and Ma are, is is just so seamless. Um, to me, watching the two of them together, it's really starting to be one of those special connections, like the Bruno and Lucas connection, the Checo and Simone connection, like Micah Ma. And I've, I've, but seriously, like Namir, in my eyes, like this. Like, if you're Moya right now, 
and you want to bring Namir back. Like I know you got no any or any team in the Super League. Any any team in the Super League, you're like Namir. Let's bring let's bring Ma with him. because like he would spark it. I think Ma could play this. Are you? I mean, I love Micah Ma. I was just about to talk about. He scored six points. He's got two aces, two blocks, two kills. Like and watching these matches, he is legitimately setting a great offense. It's obviously getting Namir his fair share of balls. Uh, Namir had twenty nine. The next closest attacker had only fifteen attempts. But I mean, he's Micah Ma is running a, a legitimately good offense. Hundred percent. But to com- but to compare that pairing to to Checo Simone or Bruno Lucas is insane. We're talking about the best opposite in the world against nah. inferior competition. Come on, nah, man. I like it. Namir is the man. The gut feeling that's that's what it, it just gives me the same feeling in my loins, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I love Namir and I love Mike Ma. I absolutely love him. I've been chatting with him since he's been overseas this year. They, they played together for two months. You can't talk about them in the same class as DeCeco Simone and Bruno Lucas. That's insane. That's insane. You're right. they, they are they are still in the, the honeymoon phase. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> at the at the, at the end of the day, I just don't think that a team like Berlin has enough firepower at any point to to put any type of skater into uh, Ankara right now. Uh, and realistically, when I look at like look around. Have they played Zavirchi yet? No, they haven't. No, uh, no, Hawkbank did. Uh, Berlin did not. Hawkbank lost to Zavirchi in four on the road two weeks ago. Uh, Berlin hasn't played him yet. They'll play him next. Yeah, uh, yeah. Berlin, I mean, Berlin needed five sets to beat Pizardzik. I remember we were talking about how that was a little ridiculous. Remember when Berlin wanted to go play in the Bundesliga? Thank God they didn't do that. <laughs> I, I, I do you remember that? Have been bad no, um, speaking speaking of berlin i want mark schotela played great uh 17 for 25 with only two errors but they've got a problem on their hands because angel trinidad is hurt i think he like something with his hand he either broke his hand or so, something something's going wrong with uh with his hand so they've got johannes tila who i like uh but they also went out in the transfer market and brought in arash josanch uh, australian guy uh, who played at toronto last year or I say played loosely. He was at least on the roster, almost never saw the court. But So they've got a new backup setter in town. Johannes Thiel is going to have to be the guy going forward. But like we've talked about about Berlin, they just don't, they just don't have the, the actual international caliber players to contend in Champions League. Like Timothy no. Carl and Ruben, and Ruben Schott are not international caliber, Champions League caliber outside hitters. They're just not. If, if they make it out of pool play, they're going to get slapped in the first round. Like, Big time. Like two, three up, three down, just dongs everywhere. Um, <laughs> big time. I mean, I, I like them in the middle. I like Nehemiah Moza. I like Anton Brema. But I, other than that, I, and they're in a hard pool. It's going to be a challenge for Berlin to even make it out of this pool. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's let's move on now to to Pool C, uh, where there was one. Kind, if you're asking Rob, there was a bit of an upset th- this week with Rose Lair, <laughs> uh taking down Benfica and Benfica who looked like on the precipice of beating a uh, Lube last week is now down to 0-2 losing two tough five setters uh, so far in, in group C. Yeah, I was dead wrong about that one. I said that Benfica looked great against Lube, you. which they did. And I said that Rusolari was terrible because they got three donged by tours. And I, sure enough, uh, Rusolari goes out and beats Benfica in five. So uh, this this pool is a little weird, especially at the bottom. But um, it's still Lube's pool to lose. I know they didn't get full okay. points against Benfica the week before, but they did beat tours three to one. So 
great. I mean, Lube is a weird roller coaster ride. Uh, we've talked about it a lot the last couple of weeks, but this pool is definitely still theirs to lose. Like, if I was to look at this, like, what would you say is like? There's no pool of death, really. I think Pool like, B. I, I think Pool B with Xavier Che, Hawkbank, and Berlin. I think that's the best three teams in any given pool. Yeah, you're right. And even in Pizarro Dix. good. Pizarro a good four seed. Yeah. I think I think Pool I mean, B is definitely no, the none, toughest pool. None of the top, without any of the Russian teams here, it's just they were just lacking, lacking quality throughout. No, uh, it's, it's kind of why we haven't put, it's, like, we, it's, we, we haven't, we haven't emphasized, apparent. right. We haven't emphasized Champions League on the show as much yet. I mean, we'll, we'll obviously get there as, as the, as the playoffs come around later in the year, but it, there hasn't been as much to talk about because. We, like we talked about it previewing it, the level, the overall level of Champions League is down this year without three Russian teams in the mix. There, that means there are three random teams that wouldn't be in Champions League in normal years, and that just brings the level down overall. So uh, we, we're, we only really jump into matches when they really, really matter. And in these two pools, because the other pool, Pool D on the screen right now, is Zaxa and Trentino's pool, and they haven't played each other yet, there's nothing really to talk about until they do. No, absolutely. Like, Carla Vosco, I only cared about you when you had Mark Wilson. You don't anymore. So, uh, what, whatever. Menon, you know, like. Thanks for participating. Yeah, you're you're only here because Russia isn't here at all. So, right. uh, and and no, Tomasek somehow is just no nowhere to be found. So, honestly, we don't even need to talk talk about these guys. This this, this is the standings. You can see the Trentino. And it's a tough pool. The Lube to us, tough pool to pool C. Pool C will be interesting to see what, what happens with, with, with the other ones. But yeah, all right, pool E, Perugia, more of the same. Perugia gonna dominate. Duran started out nicely. Uh, then they, they lost to Ljubljana. Man, if Duran had been able to go two and oh here, that would have been absolutely massive for them. Couldn't, 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 uh, take advantage of that opportunity though. I think Xerox Bank is really kicking themselves. I think they're, they've got to really be kicking themselves for losing to Duran in week one. Like that, that should not have happened because you can't expect to beat Perugia. I mean, Perugia came to Ankara uh, and beat Xerox Bank no problem last week. Uh, I, think, I think it was three to one. So the match was at least kind of competitive. But now Xerox Bank 0 and 2, who I still think can make it out of this pool, but they're probably going to lose to Perugia again. You're just going to have to hope that three and three is good enough, and that's by no means guaranteed for second place. Yeah, no, you're right. But I mean, at the same time, Duran, like Duran, having lost to Ljubljana here is a huge loss for them, right? Because that that yeah, they, that they had an them, opportunity right? and they blew it. Yep. Yeah, they had the opportunity and and they blew it. And they are sitting at the top there, the third place. But yeah, I'm, I I don't really see it. But uh, it's going to take a little bit of while for this, this Champions League to get a little bit spicy here, Rob. Yeah, I agree. So uh, next next men's Champions League matches are not this week, but next week, and there are a, a couple good ones in there. Finally, we got a lot of one versus two matchups. So we get Trentino versus Zaxa. That's awesome. Uh, we get Berlin versus Avierche, which is awesome. Uh, we get let's see what else is good. JW versus Friedrichshafen is okay. Uh, but Trentino Zaxa is massive, and then uh, Berlin Zavierche is good. So we'll talk about, we'll preview those on next week's show a little more. Yeah, a lot of chalk, a lot of chalk in Champions League so far. And there's nothing coming up this week. So uh, don't worry, you are not missing anything. No. Okay, Rob. What to uh, talk about next? We've only got one thing left here on this schedule. 
Um, yeah, only thing left is a match. I mean, people were talking about it earlier in the chat because it finished about 20 minutes before we started the show today. And that's a plus league of match between Zabierche and Rosovia. Uh, so I don't have a graphic for this for obvious reasons because the match literally just finished. But Zabierche did win the match three to one. Uh, it was good. I was watching most of it prepping for the show. Um, what were set scores? Uh, Zabierche 25-21, 30-32. 25-19, 25-22. Uh, good match. Uh, Zavierce looks good. Uh, I, I'm assuming that Kovacevic had most of the attempts again. Yes, he did. Uh, 28% efficiency is okay. And uh, Rosovia didn't get enough out of Clement Chable. They sent him to the bench. They brought in Thibaut Rossard, and he couldn't quite rescue things. That's yeah, like the only, This is the only match, the only significant match in Poland. I looked through all the matches that happened last week in Poland. There was nothing notable, so... This was it, and it just happened a couple hours ago. Fair enough. We've also been getting a lot of uh, talk recently about the VNL finals being in Poland this year. I, I did hear that. I did hear VNL men's finals very well maybe headed to Poland. I think we can expect that announcement in two or three weeks. I think Volleyball World said in December the finals host sites will be announced. Uh, Poland would definitely make sense for, I mean, any men's tournament you want to put in Poland will be well attended and well run, so I, I would never... Never be mad at, at, at that decision. I'm more curious about the women's VNL finals because I heard a rumor. I heard a rumor that's that's much less confirmed than the than these people talking about uh, men's finals going to Gdansk, which I could totally see. I heard a rumor that that VNL finals for the women might be the United States. I I heard wow. I heard that rumor. I I have no idea if that's confirmed, but I would be fascinated by that announcement. Yeah. Uh, Basil in the chat in, saying uh, maybe in Texas. That's the same thing Texas. that I heard. Yeah, that's exactly what I heard. I don't know about you, Rob, but I ain't never been to Texas. I heard everything's <laughs> big there. Yeah, so. you better you better believe if if VNL finals happens to be in North America anywhere anywhere we will be there. Corazon uh, Cuenco, do not say the place that do, that shall not be named. Do not say it. Don't even say it. Don't 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 say it. We we were so happy on last week's show talking about VNL not going back to the place that shall not be named and instead going to LA on the men's side. So we're not going to talk about that. Uh, but you better believe that if if we LA. do get some LA LA Junior, you're going to Anaheim. What Anaheim? Yeah, yeah you know, close it's enough. Like the suburbs. Yeah, it's Orange County. Whatever. I don't know. Uh, ooh, Arlington, where the Cowboys play. Yo, that would be unreal. That would be that would be really cool, and I would definitely be there for that if that happened. What? Yeah, because we're going to sell out an eighty thousand person stadium to play no volleyball. No, uh, you better believe USA Volleyball can't market that, but uh, it would certainly be a splash. Certainly be some kind of commitment towards the North American market. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll we'll report it on the show is, is... if we get that. You but you we might have to do an emergency show if we get that. But also, we will be reporting it on the 9 by 9 Instagram, which, again, if you didn't catch it earlier in the show, the 9 by 9 is now on Instagram. You'd better follow it at 9x9volleyball. Go follow that. And like we mentioned before, we're interested in bringing on a producer for the show. If you are interested in that, uh, DM us either there on Instagram or on Discord or wherever. So uh, that just, it's just, a, just a little little teaser for some news that might be coming in a couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, hey, if the if the VNL finals are in North America, I think we need to go. We need to. to oh, for to, sure. Just, yeah, we'll to we'll set be there. down. Yeah, put it all up. Will you guys be there? Hopefully, more people will be there than we're in. Uh, last time, the place that shall not be named. Yeah, couldn't, <laughs> people I couldn't in the even chat say like, it. oh, oh man, if if it's if it's in the place that shall not be named, it'll be so funny. Like, uh, yeah, it, it would not be funny. It would not be funny at all. 
but uh, we'll see. We'll see where where the VNL finals end up. I think that's it for the show, though, Everett. I, I think we're we're about ready to send our American viewers off to their week of Thanksgiving and say goodbye till next Tuesday. Anything else? Um, actually, yes. Yeah, speaking of your American friends, I, I have a bone to pick with y'all. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, so uh, as you may know, I posted some highlights last week of you know my Canadian boys pulling off a good old reverse three donger uh, on your American boys at the Pan Am Cup earlier this year. And I don't know what it is about all y'all salty Americans in the chat being like, "Oh, the Canadian guys are screening. Oh, they're screening. They're standing over like like. Do you guys not know the rules of volleyball and know that if it's a jump serve, there's no such thing as like like screening is like." is like an elementary school call. It's like something that you call in beach volleyball. Americans, are you guys okay? Like, honestly, you're going to ask me why the libero isn't serving next? You know, <laughs> where's, where's, where's a like side out scoring? Like, like, like what's, what's going on? What's going on here? Why are so many, have you whining about, about screening? Have you never watched international volleyball in your, in your life? This well, this is the what answer ever. The answer ever is probably yes. They probably have not watched international volleyball in their lives because they're come there. The algorithm does just these magical things. The YouTube algorithm when you upload those baseline highlights, the algorithm takes our channel places that it doesn't usually go and reaches people that don't tune into the nine by nine and actually watch real volleyball, for example. So that does kind of explain why there's a bunch oh, of noobs in the chat, goodness. but it's great. I also like that even when canada beats the united states you still get triggered by what we got going on down here so uh i'm, I'm looking forward to, to more canada versus usa trash talk in the future yeah absolutely because it's like it's like like you're never going to see a canadian say that because i mean like we know the, the the game up here that whoever those people must be coming from states where they don't support boys volleyball uh which of which there shame, are many which there which there are many yeah, that's 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 insanity to me. But yeah, seriously, guys, just just so you know, um, screening is not a thing in international volleyball. Like that's not <laughs> yes, a, that's not cool. a that's 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 not a real call. Um, you know, just like um, you don't have to leave the court when you're in position one to go onto the bench, and the person on the bench comes in to serve into position, uh, in you know, into position one. Sorry, you don't leave the court position two and come in to serve position one. This isn't like fair play. <laughs> you can serve more than three times. Um, yeah, you, and you can kick the ball too. That that's that's an, that's another big th- big one about like volleyball players. Like, you can't kick the it? ball. Of course you oh, can. Oh, all the time. Oh my god, all the time. I played dodgeball at this uh, beach volleyball facility this year, and there's always like beach games going on. And all the time, I hear people like, "You can't kick it," and like just plebs having arguments. And I was like, "I'm not going to go over there and tell you." I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading the comments of that video right now, and it, it, <laughs> sure enough, there's a lot of people complaining about. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot like of that. Like that's that's really the reason stuff. Canada won that game. You know, that's that's the reason because because of the screening. And then somebody said it would be so much nicer if you had a better angle and if you showed the score not during the sets, not just at the end, impossible to follow who's winning. You must be you are definitely new around here and you are wrong. Uh do not subscribe to the channel. I would love no, I I'm not gonna say they're wrong because I would love You're to wrong. show the score. No, but I would love to show the score. Like if 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 there was a way for me, like like in my perfect world, we start working directly with Norsika and we tell Cristobal when you set up the court, you need a digital scoreboard at a di- like opposite to where the camera is, right? So to, to to show. But I am not going to go there. You know how long it takes to do these videos in the first place? I'm not going to go in there because to, to put the score in, I would need to put in a digital scoreboard, go through the entire match score point by point, 
And but then I have to watch the entirety yeah. of the match and then edit it. So I'm yeah. doubling, if more than yeah, doubling my, my workload. So if you want to come do that stuff for free for volunteer hours so you can finish high school, we can do, we can we can make that work. Um but, uh, but yeah, other, <laughs> otherwise then you're gonna ever get it's on the like, ever it's on the war path against the noob fans. Yeah, if you're a noob fan, if 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 you're in the comments and we're talking about you right now, uh thanks for watching. Watch the show and you'll learn a thing or two. Yeah. Be, be be thankful for what you got. When I was growing up, we didn't seriously. have any of this. Yeah, back you know, in I had my to watch, day. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> if you want to go back in my day, we had the Lionel Marshall 50-inch vertical video. Uh, Great the times, Shadow but... Ridge 2006-2007 highlight video. Uh, shout out to Mark Sherman. Um, there was the Eric Shoji kick assist. Which is oh, still, I remember that. That was a like, great one. Stanford. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely legendary. Uh, and we had the Murillo bounce down the line in the Olympics. And that's the like Murillo all Murillo bounce down the line. And the, and the doji but the wazil. And the doji ah, but the yeah, wazil. The, the, the double Steve dive. diving plays. Great, There's like great a one. few limited clips that we had. You people, people like, got to learn your volleyball, your not only your volleyball history, but your volleyball internet history. Because these are like cool. iconic clips that Everett's talking about. Because like we're like we're coming on to like these are like tw- this is almost 20 years ago. Like when I was a teenager, I know I'm a, I know I'm a little bit older than you. Um, like talking about like 2006, 2007, 2008. Like, trust me, trying to find volleyball anywhere at the time was difficult. Yeah, so um, you're welcome. Uh, it was like finding a Ukrainian flag in Russia right now. Um, hey, we're 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 rambling uh, on that now. Let's let's get the people out of here. Thanks for watching, everyone. Uh, follow the nine by nine on Instagram at nine x nine volleyball. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday, back to the normal time of seven thirty Eastern. And uh, get in the Discord. We'll be talking about all the matches going on between now and then. Oh yeah! By the way, if you're Canadian, go Canada. We're gonna win our first ever World Cup game tomorrow. Let's go. Soccer sucks. Soccer sucks, and FIFA is because you guys soccer whales. No, I don't care. Soccer sucks. English FIFA. FIFA is as corrupt as FIVB is dumb, and we're leaving the show at that. Soccer is a stupid sport, but I I respect your nationalism. Uh, Thanks for watching, everyone. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. You guys are only good at sports. You event. You event. So whatever.